of the Gospel, Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Okay, smile at me. Okay, make me nervous when you don't smile. Okay, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. They gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nerd, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Ju Judas Azekart, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, said, why was this perfume not sold for the 300 denarii that the money given to the, and the money given to the poor? He said, this is not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and used it to steal what was put in, into it. Jesus said, leave her alone. She bought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus. I want to do an illustration today. You know, the thing is, I wish I wish you guys would act like that when I preach. So I, I could just stand up like this and just, and then you would go, hey, great job, good job. Last, last night I got this interesting compliment, and I don't know if it's a compliment. You've got to help me on this on the Saturday night service. She goes, it's funny, every time you preach, I always think, where are you going with this? But somehow you connect it. And I'm going, ooh, is that a compliment? So you may not know where I'm going with this, but just follow me. I know where I'm going with this. It's like when I'm driving with my wife. I know where I'm going, just leave me alone. And so follow me. I asked the worship team to come forward here because I want to use an illustration using them. They don't know what I'm going to do. And so I just asked them if they could come up and do something. Now, when I do this illustration, I want you, want you to watch their facial expression and their body language, because I'm going to connect it. So you may think, where is he going to go with this? I'll show you. So on that last slide, I love you. <laughs> you know, he's all pissed off at me already. So, so the thing is, what I'm going to ask them to do is just play for about 10 seconds the instrumental song, the instrumental part of the song that they just did their last song. So do you mind doing that? Just the instrumental. Okay. okay, perfect. Now, you have to understand, Angela and I have been working together for 15 years. Ken's been working here off and on for eight years, just lived in, moved to Edinburgh, Scotland, moved back to get his master's. Uh, Randall Sr. has been playing, that bass is probably older than half of you guys. 41 years. 41 years, that bass, he's been playing it. So he was playing it when the Gap Band was really big. <laughs> and Jens, what he does, Jens, you don't see him in the summer because he tours all over Europe uh, during the summer. So I thought, you know what, they're gifted in what they play, they know how to play, so I decided I want them to play this again. But... I want them to switch roles. So I would want Angela on the key, your guitar, you're on the keyboard, you're on the drums, you're on the bass. 
play the same thing. Watch the body language, watch the facial expressions. <laughs> okay? Now, the thing is, they're both a skill. I, I <laughs> okay, now, you remember how you were jamming, right? When, when this group. So we'll see how they do. They're exceptionally skilled at what they do. And so we're just going to switch the rolls up a little. <laughs> okay, just about 10 seconds. If 10 seconds is too long for us, we'll do it in five seconds. Okay, go ahead. Friendship's over. <laughs> but anyway, let me make the point. And so you follow me. All these musicians decided that they were going to choose an instrument when they were young, or with Jens choosing two instruments, so that's why I didn't put them on the keyboard, that they chose these instruments to master. And when they learn to master an instrument, what happens is a flow that happens. And it's fascinating to me when you see a worship team like this or a band that plays, when they're in their realm and when they mastered an instrument, how unifying it is, how it brings us into the music. And so, but the thing is, when you give them another position that all of a sudden they're not a master at, they have some kind of ability to do it, but they're not as good, then what happens when they sit at the keyboard or sit at the guitar and play an instrument that they're not the master, their full potential does not come out. And when their full potential does not come out, they get uncomfortable. Because they're a master at a certain instrument, but they're not a master at all the instruments. Now, I don't know about you, but I have been in counseling for five years. I went to five years of counseling, and you go, it never worked. And you just go, well, if it never worked, you should have seen me before the counseling. But I'm, a high, I'm really hardcore into psychology, into hardcore into counseling. And right now, the big thing is called positive psychology. Now, positive psychology, if you've heard of this, it's called the flow. And I put it on the screen. When people are in the flow, this is where the contentment, this is the peace. And how the flow works is when somebody has a high challenge, and they discover that they have a skill set that can meet that high challenge. And so therefore, when they develop the skill set, they get better and better and better, and that skill set matches the challenge. Therefore, there's where purpose comes in. There's where complete fulfillment comes in. This is where all of a sudden, it, you're making this incredible, great music when you know that, okay, I need to develop this. It happens all through life. And so when this happens, when you don't, when your skill set is not up to the, the, um, the challenge, then what happens, it produces stress in your life. And so even if I went to the worship team, and I played an instrument, I played the piano before I developed the Parkinson's, uh, the dystonia. And so therefore, if you played Mary Had a Little Lamb, that's one of the things you learn. 
And if I told the worship team, I want you to play, Mary had a low lamb, but I want you to stick to the sheet music. I don't want you to go off it. I promise you they will be completely bored because it's not a challenge. And so when your skill set is not being challenged, what happens? You get bored. This is why we have a lot of people bored in life or bored doing something or bored at work because they're, they're not being challenged in the way they want to be challenged. Their skill set is not being challenged to grow, and so therefore they're completely bored. And so this is where it's important for all of us to get into this flow of finding purpose in life, finding a fulfillment, looking at our challenges of life and saying, do I and can I develop the skill set in my life to meet my challenges in life? And therefore, when I do it, it was perfect unity. Now, follow me on the screen. It says, you are in the flow when you know that what you are doing is possible to achieve even if, if it is a difficult task. Time seems to disappear, and you are part of something much larger than yourself. See, positive psychologists say being in the flow means you're finding complete fulfillment and meaningful in life when you're in that flow. Now, for my week, when I'm in the flow is when I preach. I love to preach. And what's interesting is when I was 18 or 19 years old, I remember I was at Pasadena Nazarene Church and I was watching this lady preach, and I was so emotionally connecting to her. There was 500 of us. And I was thinking, how in the world that this lady is just all of a sudden just walking up talking to me, but talking to all of us, but somehow I have this connection. Somehow I developed this hope. Somehow I developed this direction. And so when I went to meet her after, I waited in line. And then when I met her, I went, like, why am I crying? So I just said, it's good to meet you. You know, I've been going, wow, I'm embarrassed. But why did she have such an emotional connection with me? And so therefore, I thought, I think I have that skill set. But I've never preached in my life. See, sometimes when we look at this gift that God has given us, that sometimes it's a, it's a seed that needs to be developed. It's a seed that needs to be worked on. And so, therefore, I watch T.J. Jakes and how he preaches. And he goes, ah, like this when he does that. And I go, okay, I can't do that. It doesn't make any sense. And so I watch preacher after preacher after preacher and to develop a skill. And so, therefore, when I'm preaching, and it's funny, Gail and Rod, uh, they were talking to me. And she goes, you make preaching look so easy. I go, I'm up here 20, 15, 10 hours a week standing up here in an empty sanctuary, practicing exactly this. And so therefore, when I do it, then all of a sudden, when my skill hits my, my challenge, therefore, I'm in the flow. Therefore, I'm doing my full potential, despite the disability. Because I've got to learn differently than other preachers have to preach. I've got to learn how to compensate muscle movement because of preventing spasms. I dress this way for a purpose. You look at me every Sunday and go, dude, that guy dresses exactly every Sunday. I do this because I thought it out. This makes me look thinner, <laughs> but, but this covers my mic, my, my mic thing. Why I wear black pants, and I, follow me on this, okay, is that when guys go to the bathroom, sometimes there's a spot on their pants. 
You don't want that spot to happen right before you preach. You don't want to be going, oh, dry, dry, dry. You wear black pants. Doesn't show. Do you see what I mean? You learn things. Now, I didn't go to the bathroom today in these pants. And so, so therefore, it flows. And so when I'm looking at this, is that even in the musical instruments, like Jen, that when he writes music, or when um, um, Angela writes music, there's a flow that happens when they write music. There's a spiritual, emotional connection that they have with the people that are listening to the music. And so when they listen to the music, therefore, they're in the flow when everyone else is looking. Now, Angela, when, when she decided to sing off script, remember that? that was, I was at the rehearsal. That wasn't in the rehearse. She went off script. She went into flow. She met her potential. You should have seen her voice, how she's using her voice, how all of a sudden. And then if you watch all the other people that were playing instruments, they went in the flow too. They followed her. They went in the flow. It was on script. Then you went in the flow. So when we all go in the flow like this, because we, we're at our potential, when we see a, a challenge, but yet our skill set does that, then we're living our potential. Acting is the same way. When an actor all of a sudden gets a script, that he goes, there's no way. This is, uh, this is the, the, the script of a lifetime. But because of their challenge, then they know that they have to develop their skill set and then to meet that challenge. So when they're acting or when they're doing this play or doing this movie, they're in the flow. This is what the whole purpose of life is. This is why they do what they do. And so, therefore, the flow could be 30 minutes a week, or the flow could be an hour a week, or the flow could be uh, once a month. But when you get in the flow of life like this, this is where you're going, this is what I'm meant to be. This is what I'm meant to do. And so this is something else that I've learned, and I put it on the screen. It's called the flow of grace. And this is where we have to tap into this as well. Because without the flow of grace, there is no flow when it comes to our skill, when it comes to the challenge here. Grace is a gift that all of us are given. Grace is something that we don't deserve. And we receive it by God. Again, we don't earn it. If you're breathing, if you're walking, if you're living, that is by the grace of God, correct? And that's something that we have to cherish every day. When I do hospital visits often, and, I, and, I, and then I was told by the doctor, look, see me in September, you don't need heart surgery right now, that's grace. That is totally grace. I'm totally excited about putting this off. And so follow me on the screen. The flow of grace happens when we take the gifts given to us and develop them to their full potential so that we can give them away as grace to others. LeBron James, did you watch his interview? LeBron James did an interview, it's trending on YouTube about the gentleman that died, oh, the one that was killed, Hustle. He was good friends with him. He even said that when you have a gift, as he has a gift, the gifts or the skill is meant to give back. And he talked about how he gave back to it and how important it is. So when we look at the, the scripture text in the New Testament, it gives us a phenomenal idea. It illustrates the flow of grace. And so let me give you what happened here in this scripture. 
Do you guys remember when you read the Bible, Lazarus was that died, and Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead. Mary, Mary and Martha kind of gave him attitude, where were you, and stuff like that. They were tight. They were very close. La I would say Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Jesus were like buddies. They were friends, because the scripture says it was his good friend Lazarus. And so therefore, that Jesus would go to his home, their home, and stay in their home when he was in a particular area. And so Mary, Mary had this gift of hospitality, of cooking. Mary, to me, had some control issues. No, no, Martha had some control issues. But Mary was just kind of kicked back and stuff like this. If you remember in Scripture, Martha told Jesus, go tell Mary to help me. And basically, Jesus said, chill out. He didn't say it that way, but, you know, I'm not going to do anything. So this is what's happening. Lazarus is at the table, alive and everything. Mary's at the table, and Martha is cooking and, and making stuff. And so this comes out of not talking about the flow of grace. Verse 3, follow me on the screen. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with a fragrance of perfume. So this Mary just kicks it. She takes this nard, she takes this perfume that's made of nard, and just breaks it out and uses the entire thing to wash Jesus' feet. Now, this is where it's interesting. Judas who's not one of the Jesus' favorite disciples, I wouldn't say our favorite disciple, was our favorite disciple, really says, you know how much that was worth, that 20 minutes to wash her feet or wash his feet? And so if you look at the skill at, at the wage level in 2019 Los Angeles, basically that's an entire year, year's salary for someone that's making minimum wage. So what she did in that 20 to 30 minutes washing the feet Cost about twenty six to thirty thousand bucks, and I was going. So I'm looking at this, going, "Well, that was worth it, wasn't it? Thirty grand? Couldn't you just wash the dude's feet with soap? Why did you have to use perfume? I could imagine me being one of the disciples that they would never write about in the Bible because I would be so sarcastic. And so, therefore, and I, and I thought of this too. Why? What could thirty thousand do for spy? safe place for you, or a habitat for humanity, or, or, or uh, saving innocence and stopping sex trafficking. But then I, I look at this, and, and, and this is what's interesting to me. Back on the screen, great love empowers the flow of grace. When there is great love, even the most extravagant gift seems too little. But when there's great love, only the best gift will do. So Mary had this incredible respect and love for Jesus that there was no cost that could show how much she loved him. And so therefore, whatever she had, she would give because she had a deep, profound love for Jesus. And this is interesting because when we are in love, when we have such a love, when you have a love for children and your child is sick with cancer or something, I'm telling you right now, they go, well, that's going to cost 30000 That's okay. We'll figure it out. Because your love for your child is so profound and so deep that money is not an issue. You're going to let that flow. We're going to go in debt. We're going to do anything because that's not the issue right now. Because your love for your children, your love for your spouse is such a deep love and it's precious. Where when that love is that deep, it, love is not stingy. 
And so this is where she did, she put it all out. But it's, it's great love motivates great flow of grace. But the opposite is what? Greed. When there's greed, the flow of grace stops. And you will watch how all of a sudden you go, man, you're not generous when you're greedy, are you? And so follow me. Verse 4, Judas, <laughs> my favorite disciple here, one of the sons, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I mean, WWJD, what would Judas do? I can figure that one out easy. And so, but Judas, one of the disciples, one who was about to betray him, said, why was the perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? And so he had a good point. Because basically what he was saying, she did this out of love. She did this out of this. And then she has Mr. Judgmental Man saying, you did wrong. You did something stupid. You went off the script. Do you see what I mean? And so therefore we have a plan. We know this. You have to fit in this, this idea. And so after all, he was right. Jesus made it clear the poor was important to him. You've done it unto them, you've done it unto me. And so he had a good point. But I love whoever wrote the book of John. <laughs> I love this. I, the Bible cracks me up. I always told you this. But it's just interesting how, how John, John, whoever wrote John, basically said, okay, he's not getting away with it. I'm not going to say this. So what he says, he, he told what the motives with Judah. He just said, this is his motive. I know, I know the dirt on him, and I'm going to write this in the Bible that will last thousands and thousands of years later. And so he said this not because he cared about the poor. It's because he was a thief. That's what he said about it. He kept this common purse and used it to steal what was put into it. So they had a common purse that they put the money together to help the poor while good old Judas was stealing from it. So he's going, hey, Give the thirty thousand. I could have stole. I could have took some of this out. Do you see what I mean? So whoever wrote this was saying this guy is lying. He ain't going to help the poor. And so this is interesting about greed because greed again, Judas gave an impression that he was very generous and very thoughtful, but deep down he was greedy. Here's the definition of greed. Follow me on the screen. Greed is the opposite of grace. It is based on the scarcity mentality in which it is believed there is not enough to go around, so I must hoard more than my share. While grace gives, greed hoards. Grace is the fruit of love. Greed is the fruit of fear. Now, follow me. This is probably one of the misquoted scriptures in the Bible. And, and, and if you Google misquoted scriptures in the Bible, this is one of them. Follow me. Verse 7, Jesus said, leave her alone. She brought it so that she might keep it for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. You see how he misquoted that? You're always going to have the poor, so why help the poor? They're always going to be there. You're not going to solve the poor problem. And so therefore, why do it? A lot of people do it. You know why they interpret it this way? Greed. Because they want to keep what they have. Because if you're helping the poor, you're not going to get anything back. It's not a transactional relationship when you help the poor. It's a one way you give. So basically, here's my interpretation of what he said in three words. Leave her alone. 
Basically, that was Jesus saying, leave her alone. In fact, when Martha was getting on him, uh, getting on Jesus to get married to do something, he said, leave her alone. Why is Jesus telling, telling people, leave her alone? Because basically, let her stay in the flow. Let her stay in the flow of grace. Because don't try to pull her out. Because you notice, when you're in the flow of things, people will try to pull you out. People will question you. Why are you doing this? Why are you doing it? It doesn't make any sense to you. Why? You know, and all this stuff. Because I know when I'm in the flow, that's what life is all about. And so Jesus defended Mary. And the reason why I put it on the screen, because Mary knew great love. She was able to completely give herself more appropriate, uh, appropriately and graciously, for, uh, graciously to the moment. Mary lived in the flow of grace. Therefore, she was to be left alone and serve as a model of what means to love extravagantly and to give lavishly. Anyone can give to the needy, but the poor will always be among us until we begin to love and give of ourselves to each other. The way Mary gave in that moment, poverty is not just about the lack of money. True poverty is a lack of love and grace. So it's not just physical, it's not just financial poverty, but it's emotional poverty of who we are. The story tells us that true love and generosity is, is so important, but yet the scarcity of mentality, the scarcity that blocks this flow of grace, that blocks this flow of, of fulfillment in our life when we become so greedy. Do you have a calculating mind? That basically when you give someone a gift, have you done this? You go, well, first of all, when Jennifer, Jennifer doesn't have a calculating mind when it comes to giving. I do. So, so she goes, hey, I just ordered something on Amazon. I go, I noticed my phone just popped up and just said, oh, it just cost 150 bucks. And my Wells Fargo thing popped up and said, you're below your normal standard of money. And I go, who'd you buy it for? Well, it's all right. And I have a calculating mind that thinks, what did they give up? I know you've been there. I'm just verbalizing. <laughs> okay? Because that's my job. I'm connecting with you guys. You see how it works? <laughs> okay? Right there, right at that moment, I hit an emotion with you because I know what I did. That all of a sudden, oh, I'm judging him, but nah, I'm just the same way, so I better shut up. That's what just happened. Okay? <laughs> all right? I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. And so this is where the calculating mind, that's motivated by greed. That will take me out of the flow very easy. Boom. Like, why, I'm in the flow right now. It'll take me out of the flow. And so here, I want to show you how the flow connects. Remember I connected Angela, the flow, and I connected the worship team. They followed the flow. Then I connected how we flowed as well. Let me show you how Mary did this. Mary washed Jesus' feet. She was in the flow. What happened the next day? Jesus washed the disciples' feet. Jesus took the same posture. He didn't have the $30,000 worth of perfume, but he took the exact same posture as Mary. And then guess what? 
after Jesus died, the disciples took the same posture. Because the flow hits the flow and hits the flow. When you're in the flow, you bring people in their flow as well. And so this is how the flow continues that Jesus gave to all. Follow me on the screen. He gave his life so that we can be brought into God's great love and flow of grace. When we are brought into the flow of grace, the sin-inspired obstacles which keep us from loving greatly and giving ourselves extravagantly, extravagantly begin to lose their power to trip us up. We begin to more freely and spontaneously, like Mary, give the best of ourselves to our world in each moment. That is what true potential is about. Now, last week I talked about the sinners and saints. And I was really in the flow uh, last week, if you were part of that service. But I just want to close here and talk about the sacred and the secular. A lot of, the, a lot of people think that I do as, uh, this is not a secular job that I have. This is a sacred job that I have, that I do God's work. And I heard my dad once when I was a kid that basically pushed this on my mom to say, look, just I need, I'm doing God's work here. I just need to be left alone, you know, to study or to do this. My dad was a preacher. So I've learned my position is sacred. My job is more important than anybody else's job. But then I'm married to my wife, who's a fourth grade school teacher. That basically their parents knew who killed Nancy, but they're not snitching. And so she works in a hardcore place. She instills values in these kids that the, value, the values at home they don't get. She instills what she calls stability in a life that's very unstable. Because most of her kids are children of gang members. Or they're in the foster care. Would you say that I'm, my job is sacred and her job is secular? No. Her job is just, if not more sacred than my job. There's no difference between what you do and what I do. Your job is sacred. It's not secular. You can be you. You are being used by God to pour out. And follow me on the screen here. Sacred and secular don't have much to do with the category of the task. It has everything to do with how one approaches the task. Inspired by a great love of Christ and equipped with the gifts given to us by God. When we take those gifts, turn them into skills, then pour them out for the sake of the world. That is the highest form of worship. That's what, what Nipsey, I guess that's his name, was doing. He was giving the gift back out. That's why I had such a profound impact on his fr friends. And so let me throw three people under the bus. Two people are here. Zion and Jeanette. They weren't at church Sunday, last Sunday. Now, I figured what they were doing. They were helping Zion in a film project. And they were helping him where he was focusing, and correct me if I'm wrong, was showing how people are marginalized, correct? And, they, and this is Zion, in his crazy little mind, he's working some incredible things. 
Janetta helped us. And Lito helped us. Now, just because they weren't on church doesn't mean they were doing something secular. They were doing something that was incredibly sacred. To bring an awareness of people that aren't, that we're not aware of. You see? So sometimes when you're not at church, doesn't mean you're not worshiping. It doesn't mean that you're not part of what God has gifted you. And it doesn't mean you're not in flow of things. You know, I'm just going to, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, Savita, I just growing up with him. I love Savita. I didn't know what Savita did. I just know she's just a smart Alex little person, like a little, little sister that just gives me lip all the time. She has 200 people that work under her. She works in the defense industry, designing. What do you design? Super Hornets, the Jets. I never knew that. But to me, that is sacred. I mean, it's just everything what you do. We got, we got Dana that works at the hospital. We got, um, we got all other different ministers, people that do incredible things around here. That man, it's all sacred. And we got Sylvia, who works for the Children's Hospital. We have Rebecca that's pouring out her life just being a mother right now. That is sacred. And so following on the screen, receive all the grace you can from God to cultivate a great love and gratitude in your heart. Then simply give the best you have from that place of great love to bless the moment you find yourself in. All truth is God's truth. So be a truth teller. All real beauty is a reflection of the beauty of the creator. So create beauty. Justice and peaceful harmony are God's greatest desire. So give yourself to that desire. Every relationship can point out to the ultimate relationship between the creator and the created. So foster the types of relationships which point to that great love. Truth and beauty are easily obscured in this world. Justice and peacefully harmony are rare. Creating healthy relationships is hard work. It is an all very challenging. But we have all been graced with the tools to do the hard work. So step into flow and realize that it is a flow of grace that that is where you will find the highest potential. So where is my purpose? Where is my fulfillment? When I take my skill set that hasn't not yet been developed, I look at the challenge that I face today in my life, and I develop that skill set to meet that challenge. Therefore, when those connect, fulfillment in life and purpose connect as well. This is the flow of grace. This is what they call the flow when it comes to the psychology. This is where Jesus was when he died on the cross. He met his potential. It was there. Let us all live our potential. May God bless you, and may God bless his word.